If I was going to ask you a question today, where do you live? Okay, we would get all kinds of different, you know, noise. We got people that come from Dayton. We got people that come from Troy. We got people that come from Westchester. We got people that come from Lebanon. We got people that come from Harrison. Harrison, come on now. The H up in here, okay? <laughs> we got people that come from everywhere. But the correct response would be this. We live on earth, and earth is a part of the Milky Way, okay? How many of you know what the Milky Way is, okay? The Milky Way galaxy, okay? Now, can you go ahead and play that little video for me, okay? I, I got some, some imagery of space, okay, that I want to show you guys today. We got the Milky Way galaxy that is a part of the universe, okay? And the universe is massive, okay? The universe is huge. The universe is beyond anything we can comprehend, okay? It is like this. Let me see Buzz, okay? It is truly like Buzz Lightyear, okay? It is to infinity and beyond, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? We are going to another level with Buzz, okay? I'm a Buzz fan, if you don't know, okay? All right? Sorry, if you're a Woody fan, man, Woody's just too clean cut for me. Like, I need, I need some danger. I need excitement. You know what I mean? I'm a buzz guy. So, ah, it's so great. Where's danger? There's a space ranger. I love it. But the universe is huge, okay? Now, scientists tell us this, that light travels at 186,000 miles per second, okay? Light. Okay? And we use light to measure in the universe, in the galaxy. Okay? The, the foot, the tape measure, the mile doesn't work in the universe that God has created. Okay? In the universe, we need to measure things with what is called a light year. Okay? That's how we measure the universe. Okay? Now, the reality is this, that Scientists tell us that there are billions, not thousands, not millions, but billions of stars in our thing called the Milky Way, okay? Billions of stars. That is just mind-boggling, okay? Now, scientists also tell us this, that there are billions of Milky Ways inside of the universe, Okay? So it's kind of like, have you ever seen the Google Earth thing where it starts like really small, like on your house, and then it pulls out, and it pulls out, and then you start seeing, you know, your town, and then you start seeing the city, and then you start seeing the state, and then you start seeing the United States, and then you start seeing the world, and then you get back into space. It's almost like that's how it's happening in the universe. The universe is so incredibly massive, Okay? Now, scientists tell us this, okay? If we were to count one star per second in the Milky Way galaxy, okay, that it would take us 25,000 years just to count the stars in our galaxy. Not even all the stars in the whole entire universe. 
Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, talks to this. It says, look up into the heavens. Who, who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each and every one by name. Isn't that mind-boggling? That God knows every star and he calls them by name? Because of his great power and incredible strength, not one single one is missing and out of place? That's incredible. This is the God that we serve. The God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who created the universe. And I think we have a hard time understanding this sometimes. Let me put up a picture of the Milky Way galaxy uh, for you real quick. Can you throw up that picture, okay? I want you to understand something. That the Milky Way galaxy is approximately 100,000 light years in distance, okay? To travel from one side of the galaxy all the way to the other side of the galaxy would take us 100,000 years, and that's just a portion of the universe. Scientists tell us this, that we, we could compare it like this, that the Milky Way galaxy is the size of a quarter in relation to the North American continent that represents the universe. Isn't that amazing? So what is God, what is the heaven speaking to us today? It's speaking that God is huge. And that God doesn't live necessarily in our parameters, okay? God lives in a different set of parameters. And God lives in a different set of time. He lives in infinite time. Now, I'm not here to try to make you feel small today, okay? Because when you start thinking about it, you're like, wow. Like, the universe is massive, and we're this little tiny speck in relation to the entire universe. I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel small today. What I'm trying to get you to understand is I want to open up your mind to see a different set of parameters that God works into, okay? It's, it's kind of like this, okay? This is um, my favorite Air Jordan of all time. How many of you seen the movie Space Jam? Okay, okay, great movie. Just, yeah, stellar movie. I don't, I don't care if it's bad acting. It doesn't matter to me. Love the movie. But Michael Jordan wore these shoes called Space Jams. And so for Christmas, I got all of my boys a pair. It was like a dream come true. I had all three of my boys and me in Space Jam shoes. We took a picture. It'll be like in my office for the rest of my life. It's just like the greatest thing ever, okay? So, but it's almost like this. It's almost like we tried to do this, okay? This is my son Michael's uh, Space Jam. He wears size. I think six and a half youth, okay? Now, I have a big old size 13 foot. And yes, I'm wearing a purple sock. It's a LeBron James purple sock, if anybody wants to know, okay? So, so it's like me trying to take my size 13 foot and cram it into Michael's Jordans here, okay? The reality is this, that no matter how hard I try, okay, I'm going to try to do it. Look at this thing, okay, all right, all right. No matter how hard I try, my foot isn't fitting in this shoe, correct? All right, I need what? I need a size 13 Jordan to put my big size 13 foot into so it fits correctly. You guys, 
following me, okay? It's the same thing with God, okay? We want to take the God that created the universe. We want to take the God who created time and space. And we want to take him and we want to cram him into our little world. We want to cram them into our perspectives. We want to cram them into our time frames. We want to cram God into what we think should happen. And so today in week two of Disconnect, we're talking about the things that disconnect us in our relationship with God. And so today we're talking about time, okay? And you know, I, when I was putting the series together, I thought, you know, we'll talk about time as it relates to a relationship and as it relates to spending time with our spouse or our friends or a relationship. But God just totally directed me in a different way. He said, no, I want to talk about time in a different way. I want to talk about time in a space that we think God needs to work in my time frame. Because when God doesn't work into our time frame, I think that's when we kind of freak out in life sometimes. So go with me, okay, to the book of Exodus. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 31 first, and then we're going to be jumping into Exodus chapter 32. Uh, After that, we're going to be starting in verse uh, 18. Let me set up the story. Moses has saved Israel from slavery. Moses has saved Israel from 400 years of bondage, okay? The Israelites have been the slaves of the Egyptians, and they've been worked and overworked, and they've been whipped, and they've been beaten, and they've been brought down to a very low size and a very low stature. And God raises up Moses, and Moses comes, and, you know, we know the movie, set my people free, you know. And and then God ends up sending the plagues, and finally Pharaoh lets go of the people. And so Moses takes them into the desert, and they get to the Red Sea, and God splits the seas, and they go across on dry ground. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh and the armies come, and God swallows them up. And God is victorious for Israel. They leave Israel, and not one of them is feeble. Not one of them is sick. They leave with all the gold and all the wealth of of the Egyptians. They head into the desert. God starts leading them with a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. Could you imagine every day of your life waking up and God goes, there's your cloud. Just follow the cloud today. How awesome would that be? Oh, cool, a cloud. Look, God, look at nighttime. There's a pillar of fire. Awesome. The fire is telling me to go to McDonald's tonight. Yay! It's a good night. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. Or for me, it's Chipotle. I love Chipotle, okay? So, you know what I mean? Like, how nice would it be for the glory of God to lead us like that? And this is what God has done for Israel. And God is bringing them to their promised land that he had promised Abraham. A place flowing with milk and honey. A promised land for them where they could establish their people, their land. And we get to this place in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18. It's a really odd story, okay? Verse 18, it says this. When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant that was written by the finger of God. So here's the deal, okay? Israel has been slaves for 400 years. God's bringing them into a new season of freedom, okay? But now they're going into the season of freedom. They don't know how to act. 
Does that make sense? Okay? It's almost like somebody that has, like, no money, and all of a sudden they win the lottery, and they just lose their mind. You know, they go crazy. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that scenario. Israel is like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're free. Like, we're not going to wake up tomorrow, and people aren't going to beat us anymore, and people aren't going to make us work all day in the hot sun. Like, we are free, and we have wealth. We have all the wealth of Egypt. And we have no enemies anymore. And God's taking us to a promised land. And all of a sudden, God goes, hey, I need to teach you guys how to be free people. Does that make sense? It's kind of like when we've grown up in religion our whole entire lives, and that's all we get and all we understand. And we know the rule books, and we know when to say amen, and we know when to raise our hands, and we know when to say, how you doing, brother? It's good to see you today. You know what I mean? We know how to say all the stuff, but then God takes us out of religion. He goes, I'm going to show you what a life of freedom in me looks like. And all of a sudden, we're like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. This is different. Oh my gosh, there's life and there's joy and there's peace. And I don't leave Sundays feeling like a piece of dirt anymore. Holy cow, God's good, but I don't know what to do with it. Does that make sense? This is what's happening with Israel. God is trying to bring them to a place of freedom. Verse chapter 32, verse 1, it says this. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. If you got a Bible, I want you to underline that. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. When they saw that there was a delay, a delay of Moses coming down, the people gathered together with Aaron. He said to him, come, make us a God that shall go before us. For as Moses, in other versions it says this fellow, Moses who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. So basically they're going, you know, Moses went up the mountain. He's been gone for a minute. We don't know what happened to him. We're used to God leading us through the wilderness. We're used to seeing God's hand flow. All of a sudden, Moses is gone. God is gone. The fire is gone. The cloud is gone. And all of a sudden, they're going, wait, wait, wait. We need something to lead us. What's going to lead us? Again, it's like when we're caught up in religion. We have this, like, rule sheet. And when the rule sheet goes away, we're like, Wait, 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 I, I thought we wore skirts every time we came to church. Like, that's what the rule book says, you know what I mean? Like, like the rule book said for me growing up, like, like you got to wear a tie. You, you wear a tie to church every Sunday. I don't know, has anybody else lived in that? You know what I mean? Like my, like, my mom and my grandma curled my sister's hair every Sunday night. I mean, it was like World War III every Sunday night, you know what I mean? Like, we had a rule book. And all of a sudden, you don't have the rule book. And you're like, what's going to lead me? Where am I going to go? And this is what's going on with Israel. They're like, we need something to lead us. So Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings off of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. All this gold that we collected from Israel, uh, I mean from Egypt, bring it all to me. So in verse 3 it says this, so all the people broke off the golden earrings which they were wearing. They brought it to Aaron. He received the gold from their hands and he fashioned it with engraving tool and he made a molten calf. They said, this is your God, O Israel. All of a sudden, we got a new God. 
we got a golden calf. Look at him moo. You know what I mean? Look at him. He's pretty. You know what I mean? Here is our new God, the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. What? The God that brought you out of the land of Egypt? I mean, what kind of contents is this? This is, this is just craziness. So Aaron saw it. He built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation, tomorrow we're going to have a feast of this new Lord that we are serving. So they rose up early the next morning. They brought burnt offerings. They bought peace offerings. The people sat down, they ate, they drank, and they rose up, and they played, and they worshiped their new God. Okay? This is insanity, okay? Okay? We went from just a few weeks ago seeing God's presence and power, a real God that destroyed their enemies, a real God who freed them, a real God who led them by night and led them by day, a real God. We are now trading in that God for a statue because there's a delay. Moses is delayed. See, Israel was so used to what I would call the Shekinah glory of God. I know that's a big churchy word, okay? The Shekinah glory, the the presence of God. They were so used to seeing the presence of God. They could see it with their eyes. I mean, how incredible that is. I mean, our whole life is a life of faith. I mean, I can't even imagine getting one glimpse of the glory of God manifested before me. And Israel is so accustomed to seeing God's presence in physical form. But all of a sudden, that's gone. The glory of God is now veiled and is hidden and it's up in the mountain. And Moses and the glory of God, they're both gone. And all of a sudden, there's a delay in what God is doing. And what happens? Freak out. All of a sudden, God's not working in their time frames. Same thing happens to us in life. We want God to work in our exact time frames. We're like, God, um, I need a new job by, uh, by August, or I'm going to freak out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go postal on somebody at my job, you know. And we are, we are dead set. August, new job. August, pay raise. August, I'm not with these morons anymore. You know what I mean? August, it's a new day in Jesus' name. It's a new season. Remember that song? It's a new day, fresh anointing coming your way. You know what I mean? Remember that? Okay. Listen, that's, that's what we do with God. And you're like, praise God he doesn't sing for a career, okay? Um, but this is what we want to do with God. We're like, God, you need to fit into my time parameters. But then when there is a delay in what God is doing, we all of a sudden go, okay, God's not moving, so guess what? I have to. Right? God, there's a delay. Moses and God, where are they? They're not around. So I guess we're going to have to come up with our own plan. I'm going to have to come up with plan B or C or D or Q or X. I mean, 
whatever plan is going to work, I need to come up with a plan. Because right now, I don't know how to wait on God. I don't know how to rest in the goodness of God. I don't know how to trust God in this season. Um, in July, it'll mark two years uh, that we've moved to this area. And then I was thinking about that, and I'm like, wow, time. <laughs> the older I get, it just feels like it's going faster and faster and faster. And I was thinking about this two years that we're coming up on. And, um, and when we moved here uh, two years ago in July, um, you know, we, you've heard, a lot of you have heard the story. We just moved here in faith. We had no job. We had no income. We were raising money to start the church. It was all faith. Um, to be honest, I had a few people sit down with me and tell me I was living in reckless faith and that I was putting my family in danger and, and you know, you might be too far out there, you know? Because to be honest, it didn't look, you know, rosy. And um, I remember one day me and Jess had a conversation about money. We are like, well, how are we going to make money? You know what I mean? Like, we both worked at Living Word in Vandalia, and we both had great paychecks, and we have three kids to feed, and we have to pay for the house somehow, and I, I, I don't know how we're going to do this. And so Jess said, well, you know, maybe we could refinish some furniture um, like we had done in our own house. We had always went to Pottery Barn, and we loved it, and we were always like, that's super cool, but I'm not paying $3,000 for that. That is insane money, you know, but we want that. So uh, when we were up in Troy, Jess had learned in our garage, she like redid our table and she made us a bunch of different furniture pieces. And so she said, maybe we could redo some furniture. And so she said, I'm going to take a picture of our table, okay? So our kitchen table was this old, antique like, it was actually a desk, but it was super long. And so we stripped it all down to the bare wood. We sanded it down. We restained it. We painted the legs. She, you know, did the whole Chip and Joe, Joe Gaines thing on it, you know, with the distressed edges. And then we, you know, polyed it and, and just threw a picture of our table online. And she threw out this price tag of, like, uh, $650. And she had, like, 14 people within an hour that wanted to buy it. And I was like, Jess, we need to buy some tables fast. You know what I mean? I'm like, we need to get some tables up in this piece. You know what I mean? So my wife, the researcher that she is, she went on to Craigslist, and she just started spitting out places around the globe. I mean, seriously. I remember the first table that I went and bought. I don't know where it is, but it is like, it is like, I don't know. It's crazy land somewhere downtown uh, Cincinnati. I remember just thinking, I remember like Matt was with me, and I'm like, Matt, if we don't come out of here, I love you, man, okay? You know what I mean? Like, it was a good ride, you know? And I remember I bought this table and six chairs for $75, and we took it back home, and, man, we stripped that thing down, and we did it, and we posted it, and I kid you not, it was probably, I think it took two and a half hours, somebody was at our house buying this table for $700. And we were like, what is going on right now? So, we're coming up in 24 months. 
for 17 of the months. Sorry. We did tables. I mean, I would drive, I mean, Matt and Levi, they, they know. We would drive anywhere. I mean, anywhere. If you had a table under $100, we were going to find you. I mean, I drove to, is it Kentucky? Yeah, I drove to Kentucky. I drove, I mean, I mean, I can't even, I think I put in 17 months, I think I put close to 65,000 miles on my car of just driving and picking up tables. And I remember I'd always like get to a place and I would see a table and I'd be like, how's this thing gonna fit in my pilot? How is like this table and eight chairs gonna fit my pilot? And people would look at me like, you are insane. And all of a sudden we would get it all in there and then I'd climb into my car like this, you know what I mean? And I'd drive home an hour like this, you know? And we have these pictures. I mean, there was like times where we were doing like six, seven sets at a time. And it was just like, can you imagine like six chairs times seven? There's just chairs everywhere. My yard and my garage look like a, like a flea market. I mean, I, my neighbors would drive by like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and for 17 months, we stripped and we sanded and we painted and we would work from the time we woke up to the time we went to bed because we were doing tables and we were starting a church all at the same time. And I can't tell you how many times I would go up to my son Luke's room where I would pray and I'd go, God, what is going on? What's going on, God? Because there was a delay, right? I moved here with an expectation. See, God had been speaking to me for two years about moving here and starting this church and that we had a DNA on us and that God was going to do something unique and special in this area. But yeah, I moved here and for 17 months, I feel like, God, I'm not doing what you've called me to do. Why am I doing tables? What is the purpose, God? What's the purpose in this delay? What is the purpose in this moment that I don't get? See, this is where a lot of us give up. There's a delay in the time. And we think, oh, God doesn't heal. God doesn't restore. God doesn't renew because all of a sudden God didn't fit into our time parameter. And because God didn't fit into my time parameter, then obviously God's not moving and God's not at work. But the reality is that God is at work and he is moving. See, there was something so incredible about those 17 months. See, for Oh, gosh, how many years was it? For 15 years, I had worked at other churches. For 15 years, I had made other people's dreams come true. For 15 years, I had worked day and night to bless other ministries and bless other churches. But the reality was, was this. I needed to come back to him. 
Because sometimes it can get a little mixed up. We can be doing so much for Jesus that we think we're real close to Jesus, but the reality is we're not real close to Jesus. We're just doing a lot of stuff for him in his name. So those 17 months were so special. For 17 months, I listened. I, I, could, I could probably tell you every Bill Johnson message ever spoken because I listened to every podcast of Bill Johnson for 17 months. And God fed me. God would meet with me in the car when I was driving to places I didn't know where I was going to pick up tables I didn't want to pick up to do tables I didn't want to do. But God would meet with me in the car. Everything that this church is was birthed out of that time. I can't tell you how many conversations me and Levi and Matt had in the, in the garage as we were doing tables about what kind of church this was going to be that it was going to be a presence-driven church, that it was going to be a church that we were going to preach truth, that it was going to be a church that we were going to believe in healing. It was going to be a church that believed in the presence and the power of God. We were going to build a church of people who were passionately on fire for Jesus, not just stuck in religion. That 17 months birthed what will be here 20 years from now. So sometimes, sometimes in the delay, God's going, I want to show you something. I'll never forget this one weekend. We had this one weekend. And I had all these bills that I hadn't paid. And I had my rent that I hadn't paid. And I knew the exact number to a T. It was $4,330 that I needed by Monday. And I had all these table sets in my garage. And I remember I went out to my garage and I looked at the tables and I was like, God, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to sell these tables this weekend. And I was like, God, how are we going to sell like six sets in one weekend? I need $4,330, God. What are we going to do? One Saturday. One Saturday. I had $4,330 in my hand. God showed me his goodness. See, there's these moments in life where God's going, I want to show you personally how good I am. But we fight him because we don't like the delay. We don't like his timing. We don't like what he's doing. We don't like how it feels. We don't like how the season feels. So we push it away and we go, God, if this is what it's like with you, then I'm going to go make my own plan. And I'm going to go find my own path. But God's going, no, I'm trying to set you up for a victory. I'm trying to set you up to see my goodness. I'm trying to set you up to see my power and my strength manifest for you so that you know that you know that you know that I never fail. I never fail. I came to Cincinnati, Ohio with so much fear. I would wake up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and just be ridden with fear. But I tell you what, when I got done with that 17 months, when fear comes knocking at my door, I just go, 
Uh-uh, I don't got time for you. My God's faithful. I've seen it. I've seen it personally. I know it. And nobody can take that from me. Nobody can steal that from me. It's my story. It's my, it's my moment that when I get to heaven, the hosts of heaven will go, they'll clap for me because they'll go, you fought. You didn't give up. You kept going even when there was a delay. You held on. You kept fighting. So sometimes in our relationship, there's a delay. Don't give up. Don't give in. Because when you lose hope, that's when the enemy comes in like a flood and he steals and he kills and he destroys. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. Because we lose hope in our God. We lose hope in the God of the universe that created everything. He created this universe. He created me and you. He created it all. And when we lose hope in him, the enemy comes in and he steals. But when we just give him a little bit of faith, you know what the Bible says? The faith, like a mustard seed. He goes, guess what? We're going to move the mountains. We're going to move the valleys. We're going to move all this stuff that's in front of you. And I'm going to show you how good I am. I'm going to show you my goodness. Don't let the delay frustrate you. Don't let the delay get you out of hope. God knows what you need. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. Not one bit. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High. You are beloved. You are beloved by Jesus. Anything he did for anybody in the Bible, he'll do for you. Amen? Would you stand this morning? Come on, we're going to sing that song, Only Jesus. And I want you to take any delays, any frustration. And I want you just to lay it at the feet of Jesus. And I want us just to worship him and him alone.